Hey guys, Hope here, and welcome back to a new episode of Hurricane Hope. I don't know if I should be saying Hope here or if I should be saying Revive here, um, but we have a lot to talk about, and I have been just uh, super, super overwhelmed the last week because I announced last week uh, that I am going to be releasing new solo music under the name Revive. So we absolutely have a lot to talk about. A lot has changed uh, since the last episode I did last week. And uh, my debut single, Under the Name Revive, drops this Friday, March 5th. It's called Sahara. Uh, so technically Thursday night at midnight. But I just wanted to talk about Revive today. Um, who is Revive? I am Revive. And uh, oh, I don't even know where to start. I guess as I swallow loudly. So I'm releasing new solo music and if I'm being very honest, if uh, anyone had asked me a year ago, will you ever release solo music again? My answer would have been no, I'm, I'm never releasing music again. And that came a place or it came from a place of heartbreak. It came from a, a place of, uh, of struggle and defeat and, um, I, I really genuinely did not think that I was going to be releasing music again. But when the COVID pandemic started and we were first under lockdown here in New York, I, most of you guys I think know this, but I went home to New Jersey um, to stay with my mom for what ended up being two months. I thought I was only going to be there for two weeks, so I didn't bring a guitar. I didn't really bring a lot of things. I just was like, okay, I'll be here for two weeks and then life will, you know, resume. Ended up being there for two months and I don't want to say that I embarked on a journey of self-reflection because I feel like I'm always trying to maintain some sort of reflective state because otherwise I wouldn't continue to grow as a human being. But I created Revive at my mom's house. What better way to start creating again than to be uh, living in your childhood bedroom for the first time in, in years and be in the place where you first started writing music, where you wrote all of your songs in high school and and as a child, you know? So I created Revive there and I started to ask myself questions when I was there. I pulled up a, a Google Doc on my laptop and wasn't writing any music. Again, I didn't bring a guitar, didn't think I was going to be there that long, didn't really have much to say, and I just started asking myself questions as if I was kind of uh, kind of interviewing myself. I wanted to create an entity that accurately showcased who I am as an artist now at 27. And I felt like if I'm going to ever release music again, how would I showcase that? Is it under the name Hope Vista, which is my real name? It's on my birth certificate. It's It's who I am, but is that the best way to show who I am as a solo artist now, or just not even as a solo artist, but just who I am right now, creatively and artistically? And I kind of wrote out just a list of one word names. I just kind of was honestly pulling things out of my ass and none of them were sticking. And I was like, why am I even doing this? I'm not writing music. I don't feel like releasing music, but I felt like creating and I needed something to just get the gears turning again. So 
I kept thinking about the word revive. If I was going to release solo music at any given point in time, it was going to be my personal resurrection. And I haven't done solo music in years, so it would be a revival of sorts. So I kept thinking about the word revive, and I just honestly changed the the E to an A, and I was like, revive, 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 and I kept saying it over and over again, and it stuck, and I was like, oh my god, that clicked like a, a the last puzzle piece of a, of a finished puzzle locking into place and it felt like myself so revive was born in february 2020 on my laptop and the doc that i typed out was called who it is called who is revive i still have it and i started listing off one one word or words like you know a list of one words that i felt described who i am as an artist a lot of them were very dark. It was like eerie, minimalistic, mysterious, introspective, reflective, um, haunting, you know, those kinds of words. And from there, I was able to start asking myself more in-depth questions because it wasn't about creating an identity for Revive. It was about establishing, okay, how am I going to show people what has changed from Hope Vista in 2015 to now? What has changed, um, you know, in me? as a human being and in my in my soul but how have i evolved creatively how have i evolved artistically i don't like to say that i've changed because i'm really the same person that i've always been in college and high school and middle school my personality is very similar interests haven't changed really the same person but a lot of life experiences have happened since you know obviously high school middle school those kinds of things so um how have i continued to evolve and the first question I asked myself was, how, how does Revive differ from Hope Vista? And by Hope Vista, I don't mean me. I mean me in 2015 when I released Prevail, when Dominance came out, when Wild Girl came out, when I was, you know, branding myself as this like punky, you know, punky, pop punky kind of rock girl, which has always been still very authentic. That's who I was at that time at 21. I was, I just lost my father. I was falling in love at the same time. I was graduating from college and going on my own I was in a very weird transitional phase and that rebellious kind of nature is what fit at that time that's how I felt that was authentically who I you know how I was how I could show people who I was was with those kind of angry rebellious uh, bouncy songs and I still love those songs I love listening to those songs but I'm not 21 and a lot of things have changed since then and the word evolution is really, really important in terms of the creation of new solo music and, and changing a stage name. This is the first time that I'm, I'm not going by anything that has a part of my name in it. And it actually doesn't feel like an identity loss. It feels like, it feels like a rebirth and I love that because it's like, wow, I can really just create and and the whole thing about releasing solo music again i will say i tried to go back to the studio in in summer of 2020 and i went in to do a song that i wrote um that i really love and is still going to be released but i went in and i said all right i'm ready to do this i haven't been in the studio in over six months really haven't written music but i'm ready to take the reins and try this again because it was always still in me, the creativeness, the, 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 the urge to make and write and do. But I walked in 
and immediately felt stressed. There were things that I hadn't healed from enough to feel comfortable in the studio and feel happy and feel excited to be there. I felt anxious and I felt just, I felt, I don't want to use the word traumatized because that's a a strong word, but I felt just not ready. I wasn't there mentally. I wasn't able to put myself in a place where I could create something that I knew I would be really proud of. So I left. I was there for a few hours. I said, I'm, I'm not ready for this yet. My fiance, Ocon, he did all the Vista records and, um, you know, he's the one who's been recording me again. And I just said to him, I said, I'm not ready yet. And I don't know if I'm ever going to be ready. And he said, that's no problem. Like if, if, you know, whenever you do feel ready, if you do, then we'll pick back up. So there was no pressure. It wasn't any, you know, no rush. And it was just really about getting to a place of comfort where I felt like I could make something that, you know, I genuinely, genuinely loved. So I didn't go back for the rest of the year. And well, I did. It was it was more towards the end of like 2020 where I really said, okay, I, th- I think I'm actually ready now because that was when I started to write more and the ideas started to flow more for songs. And I was starting to sing random melodies again, just on the fly around my house and my desk at work in the car. And I said, okay, I think this is the indication that I'm ready to go. Went back in and Sahara was already written. I wrote it at home. It was one of the very first songs that I wrote for Raviv, not the first, but it was like the third, I think, second or third and went in, recorded it, and the recording session was done in like six hours with all the vocals recorded. And I was like, wow. And I left just like, holy shit, I feel excited. And I feel, I feel rejuvenated. I feel inspired. I feel like I really genuinely enjoyed being there. And that was just, that was the indicator. That was the, the thing that said to me, you still have it in, in your soul. And that part of it hasn't left. The creative part really never left, but it was clouded by so much um, defeat and frustration and loneliness and and anger, which I don't like to hold on to anger, but the other feelings of frustration are still very much present. I think there are certain things, um, you know, that are going to take a long time to to work through. But I needed to get to a place where my creativity wasn't clouded. And when I did Sahara, I realized it wasn't clouded anymore. I was just in the right spot to be able to say, hey, I, I want to write. I want to record. I want to sing. I want to do something that, you know, makes me feel creatively fulfilled. And... I really genuinely did not think that there would ever be solo music again. But Sahara is so strange. (laughs) It's so weird. And it's something that I just love. That has been the whole point of Raviv is with Vista, I had expectations and I had very strong goals. The goal was to make Vista the career, be what makes you know, what what provides financial stability, be what is my full-time job. That's what we were always working towards. And in that, I think that for me personally, at least, I got caught up in, you know, fighting for certain goals that were more materialistic. Like, um, you know, it was so important for us to get signed. That was like the, the I said, if we don't get signed, like, we're, we're never going to do anything with this this band. And we never got signed. And that was really heartbreaking at points because I was like, man, 
what do we have to do to get signed? That was always the question I was asking myself instead of just focusing on the music and just focusing on the craft. It was more focused on, well, what can we do to achieve dot, 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 to, to get on a Spotify editorial playlist, to get signed, to get, you know, picked up by a larger booking agency, to get a support slot on a bigger tour. Like, what can we do to blank, to get sync placements with the NFL? It was always, what can we do to blank? Those were the questions that I was throwing out there. And it wasn't, well, what can we do to create better music? What can we do to create music that like we really genuinely both are 100% in on? It was never that. And for me personally, like that always clouded my judgment was the, the it wasn't the expectation. It was like the desire to, to fulfill those specific goals. And I would definitely say that that impacted my ability to write at a certain point because I felt like I had to write for something. I wasn't just writing to to write. I would say The Ruins is is the record where I really just said, all right, I don't give a shit. I'm going to write what I feel and write what I really love. And that was the only record that we ever did that I was 100% in on. Um, but it was always answering those those blanks. So I realized last year when I was creating Revive on this dock at my mom's house, I was like, you know, if you're going to release music again, it has to be because you genuinely want to and you love it and that's it. There can't be any motive, other motive behind it. You cannot sit there and say, all right, well, I'm doing this because I want to get signed. I'm doing this because I want to blow up my music on TikTok. I'm doing this because I want to be blank. It's, it has to be, I want to be me and I want to do this because I love it. And if something, you know, happens from it, if I, if it becomes a career, if I get signed, if, if I get on a Spotify editorial playlist, if I blank, then that's just an added bonus at this point. Coming to that realization after being in a band where I was fighting to make it my career for so many years, it was a really big adjustment. And that was a big part of taking so long to get back into the studio was, okay, well, you have to understand that and you have to want to understand that this is for you. It's not for anybody else. It's not for anything else. It is for your heart and it is for your own soul because this is what you have been doing since you were three. You know, I, I think back to when my father was teaching me guitar when I was really young or trying to teach me how to play a violin. That never went well. I threw the bow across the room one day because I was mad at him. But... <laughs> You know, I think back to those times when I was like, Daddy, I just want to learn how to play music and I want you to teach me how to read music and I want to learn because I hear music in my head. There was, you know, no expectation. It was just, I fucking love this. So teach me, help me get better. And that got clouded for a long time. It makes me kind of like emotional thinking about it because when I was a kid, I always said, I'm going to be a pop star. I performed concerts in my room with belly shirts and like flare jeans and, you know, dance costumes. And I, I performed pop concerts for my sliding closet doors, which were, which are mirrors. And I performed concerts for my grandparents and I was always singing, pre pretending I was holding a microphone. I was always messing with my little recorder, like cassette recorder that I had. And I think about those times when it was just, well... You want to be a pop star, but you want to be a pop star because this brings you sheer joy to just be performing in your room. Imagine performing for people. And I got to do that with dance, perform for people. And that fulfillment from just showcasing who I am creatively, even sometimes just for my mirror, it never had to be for people. It was just because I loved it. And if people connected with it, then damn, that's even, that's 10 times better. You know, that's 50 times better. And... 
with Vista, it, I let that, <clears throat> excuse me, with Vista, I let that just disappear. I let everything else consume me, the, the press coverage, fighting for certain publications to cover us, just all of these different things, and it was not about the, the music anymore. So my whole point in, in, in this is that Revive is, is for me. And if people listen to Revive and love it and connect with it and, and hear themselves in it, then that's, that's even better. Just like it was when I was, you know, when I was able to perform for people as a kid, that was even better than doing it for myself. But it was still great when I did it for myself because it gave me fulfillment and happiness and just sheer passion. I love Revive and I love being able to, to say like, hey, I am Revive. Yes, my name's Hope, but I am Revive. That's, that's me right now. And this is the most authentic way that I can show people, okay, this is who I am. Another thing, you know, with Revive is that I, I, when I was in, I don't know if anyone else experienced this, but like when I was in school, it was not cool to listen to pop music if you dressed a certain way. And my style is, has always been very like out there, especially in like middle school, junior high. I was seen as someone who dressed really weird. I had Converse in sixth grade and I always wore dark clothes and I had a very punky, edgy, not gothic, but like very rock and roll kind of style. And because of that, if I said, hey, I love pop music, I love the Backstreet Boys, I love Britney Spears, I love, you know, I love pop music, I got called a poser. And that word poser was said to me over and over when I was in, you know, those middle school, junior high, even even high school years. You know, if I showcased any interest outside of what my physical clothing style was, outside of that, like, stereotype rock and roll wear, then people thought I was fake or people thought I was a poser and called me that to my face in the hallways so I did not showcase that I loved and love pop music. I just showed people how much I love rock music because I love rock music too. And I showed people, you know, me playing my electric guitar, which is still sitting behind me, the same one. And I only showed people that facet because that was the stereotype and that was what people, you know, acknowledged as acceptable at that age. So if you showed anything outside of what I wore then I got called fake. Oh, well, you're wearing, you know, black clothes with, with skinny jeans and Converse and a leather jacket and you're listening to pop music? That's so fake. And that was always so stupid to me because, you know, whatever you wear doesn't showcase, uh, you know, any other facet of your life outside of what you're wearing. You know, if you like the clothes, you like the clothes. If you like the music, you like the music. So I never really got that notion of, of being a poser or whatever, you know, people said. But my point being that I only showcased that I loved rock music. I never... You know, I kind of just hid that pop music is, is what I was born listening to because I was born in 93. So by the time I was a, a child and able to understand um, what was on TV, what was on the radio, that was when the bubblegum pop era of the late 90s was happening with the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, Britney, Christina, you know, uh, Mandy, Aqua, BB Mac, 98 Degrees, all of those kinds of pop artists. And... Um, that was what I grew up listening to. Britney Spears' Baby One More Time was my first CD. I think um, I think Millennium was probably next. I still remember the day my dad brought home Millennium for me. And it was like just in my blood because of what era I was born into. The reason why I, you know, got into rock music was because of my aunt, my dad's sister. Um, she's a, a big, big classic rock head and really got me into like Joan Jett 
and um, I was listening to like the Rolling Stones at a young age, listening to Heart at a young age, Aerosmith, those kinds of artists. And I loved that too. And I, my style just always kind of, I just gravitated towards a certain style. Can't really give any other kind of like inclination for it. I just liked those clothes. So I picked those clothes and that was it. Um, I never really gravitated towards like girlier styles or, you know, X style or Y style, whatever. I picked the clothes I liked. I listened to the music I liked. And, you know, that didn't really make sense to a lot of people. I was never really in on like the the Abercrombie Hollister trends. I was never in on like the, you know, those preppy kind of trends that were happening in the early 2000s when I was in middle school and high, uh, junior high. Or well, it was like 2004 to 2011 was when I was middle school to high school. So I just always was around pop music because that was the era that I was born into. So my love for pop music really started at a very, very young age. And pop music for me, I've always studied. And I know this sounds really weird, but when I was really young, I started looking into like labels and writers and producers and I, I wanted to know all about the production behind music and um, this was when I was in like elementary school to probably like, you know, I would say like junior high is when I was really researching writers and I, I immediately recognized Max Martin because he did all the Backstreet, NSYNC, Britney, big singles and then delved into the, you know, the 2000s modern pop and now obviously is probably the biggest songwriter in the world but I delved into his you know his studios in Sweden the Charon studios and they had a lot of writers over there Rami Yacoub who's a big pop writer now I started to you know Andreas Carlson I started to get really into these writers and research pop music so it, I kind of moved it beyond the surface of just listening I loved the production of it and there were formulas that they followed and there were just ways that they worked these writers um that I was audibly attracted to so it always ran deeper for me pop music makes people feel good but it could also break your heart it 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 had the capability of being both simple and complex at the same time it could appeal to mass demographics not just one niche when I got into my high school years I just you know, listen to whatever I want. I was listening to Linkin Park and then I was listening to Hillary Duff. I was listening to, you know, uh, Green Day American Idiot and then I was listening to, you know, Ashley Simpson or, or whatever, you know, like I was listening to uh, Britney Spears, uh, you know, Britney 2001 record and then I was listening to, you know, a Joan Jett album. It didn't really matter to me what I was listening to. It just made me feel super uh, fulfilled. I got lots of different tastes. When it came to writing, when I was in, you know, like junior high, I was writing really kind of, um, I was writing a lot of angry alternative songs, like could that could turn into, you know, probably like those pop rock, like Ashley Simpson, Kelly Clarkson, 2004 kind of pop rock vibe songs. But for me, one of my goals growing up was to to do pop music, and not a lot of people know that about me because I hid it. I hid that I. Like I said, I hid that I loved pop music so much because I didn't want to get made fun of, which is so fucking dumb sitting here now at 27 and like thinking of that notion. But as a kid, you know, you just want to get through school. You don't want to be made fun of. You just want to go and come back and, and have an easy day. So I just kept that to myself. I, I did what people expected of me and wore what people expected of me and just kind of, you know, tried to keep my head down at a certain point. So I would just perform these concerts in my room at home and once my mom came home from work the music had to go off because she thought it was too loud. So I had like my concert time and then my chill time and my write time and you know the pop music background has always been there. 
it's just been clouded and it seems like that's a trend in all the review stuff is certain things were clouded um, for a long time and the last year really gave a lot of visibility to it the pandemic and having that time at my mom's really really was the the driving force because I answered questions I answered like I said earlier the question how is Revive different from Hope Vista that was the first question I had to ask myself um, in terms of like 2015 prevail the dominance era all of that and um, you know the kinds of shows I was playing and how I was marketed, who I was at 21, 22 versus who I am now at 27. A lot's changed and a lot is different from when I released that music. And I'm, I am attracted to simplicity in production. Nowadays, I'm, I'm really kind of just about the song itself and the production is a big part of it. But I, I like messing with synths. I like toying with production. And that's different from 2015, you know? Back then, I felt like, you know, the pop-punky, like, rocker style matched what I was writing, and that is what I gravitated towards. So, I guess, you know, if we look at Sahara, which is my, I hate saying debut single, because it's not my debut single at all, but as Revive, it's my debut single, which drops this Friday the 5th. It's, it's something that, you know, people who listen to Hope Vista or Vista... I have been really scared that they're not going to like it or they're not going to connect to it because Sahara is is strange, but it's not like anything anyone's heard from me before. And I, you know, I've had to really kind of sit with the fact and, and accept the fact and understand the fact that, you know, not everybody's going to like it and not everybody's going to gonna connect with it the way that I do. And that's totally okay. And with Vista stuff in the past, I probably would have done anything I could to make sure that everyone liked it and make sure that it didn't alienate anybody. But now... I love Sahara and that's just the basis of it. I love it. And I, I, you know, I hope everyone that listens to Vista or has listened to me in any capacity loves it. But if they don't, then I totally understand it. And that's totally all right because music is subjective and not everybody's going to like everything you do. And that was something that, like I said, I really had to sit with, but I had to understand. And now that I'm able to understand it, it makes it a lot easier for me to just go in with no hesitation and I'm not thinking when I'm recording now. I'm just doing whatever comes out. And that freedom is really, really just, it's, it's, it's revitalizing and it's fun. And I'm just stoked, which I've never stoked or in the past, like I've never been stoked. It's always been a challenge to get out creative ideas because I was answering so many questions. Well, what can we write to do this? How are we going to get people to like this? And da, 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 da. And it was so much, it was not about the the joy of freely creating anymore so we did a song this is a great example we did a song the other day today's tuesday we did on friday um a session we were gonna finish a song that was started last summer the one that i tried to go in and do we were i was ready to go back to it and the night before like 12 hours before the session i was sitting at my desk and i started singing this random melody and it was the lyric was you gave me the bottle of the strongest vodka you mixed it with drama and it was too late. And in my head, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I was like, what is this? And I just, I, I, instead of grabbing my guitar, I wrote the whole song a cappella. I banged out the verses and I was like, oh shit, this is pretty cool. And I just kept going. I didn't worry about chord structure. I didn't worry about strumming patterns. I didn't worry about anything. And when you write it a cappella, the possibilities really are endless at that, that point because you're not really creating like a firm chord structure and everything. And then we recorded it at that session instead of the the other song and we did the whole thing and I was like shit 
I wouldn't have done this a year ago or two years ago or three years ago or whenever. I would have thought about it for, you know, a while and it, it would have been something that sat there in production forever. But I played the idea a cappella. We sat with a vocoder. We worked out some ideas and, and Okan got really inspired and that was it. We created the track and that was it. And that I was like, wow, this is this is so refreshing and so different. And when the hell would I have felt confident enough to just say, yo, I wrote this last night let's record it. Like, I would have had to sit on it and perfect it and go through it and revise and change. Really nothing changed. The lyrics didn't change. Nothing changed. I was like, this came out of my mouth. This fell out. I really, really like it. What do you think? And the, the possibilities were endless because it was acapella. And that's the difference. That right there is like the best way that I could describe the difference between anything else that I've done before, band or solo versus revive, is that it just comes out and I'm not stewing in it. I'm not obsessing over it. It's just like, hey, I, I fucking love this. And I really hope other people love it too because I'm so passionate about it. And saying that confidently, like with my, saying that like with my whole chest, it's, it's, it's so refreshing and renewing and it's really a rebirth and that's what Revive is. So I really could talk about Revive like all day. And if anybody wants to ask questions, I think I'm going to open up like a question, question thread on Twitter, Instagram or wherever where I do a podcast episode just with answers about Revive. But I want to use the podcast now to really talk about this music because I think that now that I can openly talk about it, it's been in the works for over a year. So, you know, I had to, I kept it really quiet for at first. And to be very honest with you, nobody knew that I was releasing a single. I think two or three people knew Okan because he recorded it. My best friend, Danny, um, because she's, you know, been by my side through all of the ups and the downs and the decisions and the process. And I think I told one other person, but like my roommates didn't know, no, literally nobody knew that I was releasing this single um, on the 5th. And I think four people heard the song at all uh, or have heard the song didn't pitch it to press nothing I just kept it to myself because I was like you know what I want the song to speak for itself and I just want to do you know I want to just go just push for it and then that's it and not you know do things differently than I've done before and just let the music talk and because I feel so passionately about it so you know, it's there's a lot of depth in Revive and there's a lot to talk about, but I just wanted to use this space today to kind of open up the conversation about it. And, you know, as time goes by, I'm going to, you know, continue to do more episodes about the music and what it came from and, and really use this space to talk about it because it's an open forum. And I love that with Twitter, Instagram, you only have so much space, but here I can just freely speak about it. And I feel even more passionate, like just standing, I'm not standing, I'm sitting, but sitting with a microphone in my hand and just talking um a because I have a big mouth and I speak a lot but <laughs> but I haven't talked about releasing music in a long time I haven't released music in over a year and for me that's a really long time I've been steadily releasing music for you know six years at this point so it's um there was always something to promote always something to do whether it was a tour a sh you know a show an album a single whatever a video there was always something to promote not having that the last year gave me the time to really sit and say well what the hell are you doing you know, like, who are you as an artist now? You know who you are as, a, as an individual soul, but like as an artist, who are you? And that's Revive, and I'm Revive, and you can still call me Hope, that's my name. If you want to call me Revive, you totally can. Um, I don't know what I'm doing with my handles yet. They're still at Hope Vista right now, um, which I think is going to confuse people. But I also, if I change them, I feel like people are not going to know who the hell I am. And that makes me nervous too, because I don't, want people to be like oh well who the hell's Revive? I never followed her <laughs> and then like not know that it's me 
that's like my biggest worry so i changed the name like it says revive but the actual at is still hope vista for everything but facebook because i made a new page for that but otherwise i'm so excited like friday it's tuesday in you know three days here the single's gonna drop and you know if if something happens with it then awesome and if if 10 people listen to it then that's fucking awesome like i'm just so excited to say like this is my single this is sahara this is Raviv, and i'm so excited for you guys to hear it because it's different and it's weird and it's like just i don't know i'm super stoked so thank you guys so much for listening if you have any questions about Raviv, i would love to answer them um something really quick that really helps if you guys have two seconds um i keep posting about pre-saving and not a lot of people know what it is so i just want to explain what it is and why it helps really quick um when an artist asks you to pre-save their single um it's through spotify and there are two things about pre-saving that are really important number one when you pre-save a song in advance it adds it to your spotify library and your release radar for for new music friday in advance so if you forget about the release um then that's totally okay it'll all already be in your library once it's out and it'll be on your release radar the day it comes out as well um so that's super important but number two it indicates to spotify that there's interest in the release and that kind of kind of raises the flag of hey there's some interest here um and they consider and might consider it for playlist consideration um if a song has people interested in it then they're you know more likely inclined to say all right cool we'll maybe throw it on like this playlist or, or whatever definitely not a it's never a, a sure thing but um but it just you know kind of helps bring a little more attention to it so but more importantly it's you know it'll already be in your library so if you forget about it or you know it'll it'll already be there you don't have to do anything and um and then it automatically follows the artist page if you're not already following it as well so trying to get to 100 pre-saves before friday if you guys can just take a second to do that i'll put the link to pre-save it in the description of the episode and it's also in all of my bios and on all of my pages um which is still at hope vista thank you guys so much for listening sahara drops friday probably gonna do another podcast episode friday for the release um but i will talk to you guys soon have a good week y'all stay safe stay healthy and see you soon bye guys